Hi, welcome to Whatcha Reading, Dude. It's Lisa, Jamie, Lauren. This is our time to catch up and share what we've been reading and inspired by, hoping to stir some deeper conversations. No one person has time to read every book or listen to everything, but we figured this is a good time to trade ideas, expand our horizons, and maybe inspire you as well. Just a reminder, this is for us, this is for fun, and we are not experts. Let's get into it. we wanted to try something a little bit different because we are all women on the move we have (laughs) professional lives also jamie one of us was traveling for her birthday and um we wanted to try a new format where we record a little bit on our own that we're calling voicemail check-ins so enjoy Um, it's Jamie. I'm sure by now someone has told you that we're doing like a voicemail episode. So for this one, I mean, it's just easier. I'm going out of town. Um, I'm in the alley behind my apartment right now in Seattle and it's my birthday and I am, or I gave myself a road trip to the Tetons for my birthday. So I'm about to leave. It's like 7 a.m. I'm naturally 30 minutes late already. And anyone who has ever met me knows it's literally pointless to try to talk to me before 10 a.m. So I am going to update you guys as I go. And we can talk about books then. But for now, just saying hi. Hey, welcome to Voicemail Chats with Lauren. This is Lauren. Welcome to Inside My Brain. No, I'm just kidding. I wanted to briefly talk about this fiction book that I just started called The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. As I said, it's a fiction book and I haven't read a fiction book that isn't Harry Potter in a while. So it's been fun. It's been good. But the premise of the book is this woman decides she wants to end her life, which is a little not graphic, but I do wish that there was some sort of warning at the beginning of the book um, that she decides to end her life. And she finds herself in something called the Midnight Library. And the premise is this is set up in the very beginning of the book it's not spoiling anything it's just the premise she finds herself in the midnight library which is essentially a library of all of the possible lives she could have had from any regret that she any decision that she made small ones and big ones that like there was a fork in the path and she went a different way and it starts from and she was, I don't know, able to make decisions and then splits from there. So as you can imagine, a very large library. Essentially what happens is she can try on other lives in the library where she is thrown into another possible life 
but she was not able to live. And we've seen this premise in other books before. It's not a new one, but like similar to like a time traveling or that kind of story. I just find the premise really interesting and I find the topic of regrets very interesting because I've often said, oh no, I don't have regrets. Of course not. There's nothing I can do about those now. So there's no point. Like, move on. (laughs) Move on. There's no point in thinking about the past. If you know the Enneagram, this is very Enneagram 3 of me to just, you know, moving on. We don't care. But I find the idea of regrets very fascinating. And I find the idea that, like, from a regret can spring a life you did not live. I often not very often, but sometimes think about different decisions I've made in the past. Like, for instance, a big one was deciding to go to University of Washington and move to Seattle. And I don't often, like, think about that decision and if I had made a different decision, what my life would look like. But it is interesting to think about. How interesting would it be to slip into that alternate reality at some point and, like, walk out a different life that I did not have. It's fascinating. It's fascinating to think of. And I'm, are there decisions that you think of that that you wonder like what life would have been like if you had done something differently? And it could be like the smallest of things. We just don't know. I mean, it could be choosing to take a bus, the 10 minute later bus, and you walk into work 10 minutes later and so then you know this doesn't happen and then that doesn't happen and blah 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 like we don't know the alternate lives that we don't have and honestly I don't really want to know the alternate life that I don't have I would just want to know this life basically I think that I think regrets are super interesting and I think sometimes thinking about them can be a lesson to our future or our present selves We recently read together, the three of us read Jedediah Jenkins' new book, um, Like Streams to the Ocean, and he talks about regretting how he treated his brother when he was younger, and I think that's a common phenomenon is um, regretting how we treated people when we were children, our siblings or otherwise. Those kinds of regrets, I think, can be helpful because it encourages you to be a better person today if you regret the way maybe you acted in the past and you grow from that but I think other kinds of regrets are not super helpful or productive but again I'm very forward-thinking and very living in the future so not super interested in the past um interested in what other people think about regrets but another thought that I had was it would be super interesting and a really cool superpower if when you come up to a really big decision sometimes I'm like I don't I mean both options seem perfectly viable and I don't really know which way to go and it would be interesting to be able to like walk two options out a couple months and see what happens like I'm I'm up against some really big 
changes right now and it's it's hard to make a decision because I want I want to see what life is like in two months and then decide but of course we can't do that a couple things that are going on this week I just finished a pajama set I got a sewing machine for Christmas which has been so fun and picked up a new hobby of sewing clothes so I've been going crazy with sewing new clothes all the time always a new project and I think sewing has been such a good hobby for me in many ways yeah I mean it's just it's taught me to really slow down to take each step so methodically I'm I'm not typically a rule follower follow every step to the T um kind of person so it's good for me to really understand each step and go very slow and do it very methodically and learning new hobbies is is my hobby essentially I I just can't really stick to anything for very long so (laughs) learning something new has been fun um I'm working on something called the artist way which I took a step away from for a while and if you don't know what it is it's essentially like a 12 week artist program book workbook whatever you want to call it that takes you through finding your inner artist refinding who you are as an artist and by artist it's like very the definition is very far and wide essentially anyone's an artist we're artists because we are humans and that's who we are to be so artist does not just mean painting or drawing or even writing it means literally anything and refinding that in yourself and going through past life stuff past trauma writing up visions for future lives that you want to have and dreams and writing down dreams and visualizing dreams that are like even too scary to even dream um it's it is truly life-changing, but I started it over the summer and essentially got so busy that I took a step away from it, and that was really hard for me. I I don't tend to be good at finishing things, and it's very hard for me once I step away from something to come back to it, because that means that I have to admit to myself that I did not finish it and that, yeah. It's very hard for me once I lose the momentum of something to come back. So I decided to come back to it after, I don't know, six-month hiatus and just kind of pick up where I left off. And I was just thinking, it's okay to to do things on your own timeline. I'm like, I don't, Lauren, I don't know why you think you need to do this thing perfectly 12 weeks in 12 weeks. Like, whatever take a break it's your own life who cares there's no teacher grading this (laughs) it's not just some check mark to get done like this is something for you and you can do it on your own timeline so (laughs) just some Lauren coaching there I don't know if it's relatable at all yeah it's been really good this week I'm on week eight of 12 so definitely in the last half of it and it's more intense in it is really good. It it got me into a really good, if I didn't get anything else out of it, it got me into a really good daily journaling practice, which if you don't do daily journaling, I never did and always hated it and didn't want to sit down and do any writing, but it has changed my life and I don't say that lightly. 
it just is so powerful to write things down, I think. Yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to add to that, but if you are out there not knowing what your purpose is or where you're going, what your dreams even are, um, I would encourage you to look into the artist way or just start a journaling practice, even if it's for 10 minutes every other day or something. I don't know. Just freaking write something down. It has been, especially in these COVID times, has been so grounding for me and I encourage anyone and everyone to do it. Yeah, I hope everyone's having a good week. I can't wait to chat with Lisa and Jamie about whatever they're chatting about this week. And we will talk to you soon. All right, it is 9.35. I uh, stopped for the first time in Yakima to get some gas kind of awkward because there's construction so we're gonna keep this one fast but I just finished a ton of books I'm the kind of person where I, I read 10 books at one time so it takes me a really long time to finish anything and I was like 80% of the way through like four books recently so I just said fuck it and finished them finally one of them was Cersei by Madeline Miller I really, really enjoyed it. I had a friend who did not enjoy it as much as I did, but I loved it. I loved her first book, The Song of Achilles. I was that kind of <laughs> weirdo in fifth grade who was, like, super obsessed with Greek mythology. So I thought it was really fun. I still am so fascinated by Greek mythology. So it was fun to see all of the, like, hero stories kind of come together and wrap around Circe, which is someone who I didn't know a ton about. So I really enjoyed it. I'm currently reading about halfway through a book called The Last Time I Lied by Riley Sager. Sager. And it's like a mystery. Like it's about a girl when she was 14 went to summer camp and her three, the three other teenage girls that bunked with her all disappeared one night. So it's kind of, she like turns older. She's like a famous artist now and the person that owns the camp like reopens the camp and invites her to like be the artist in residence like for the children um the teacher I guess so she goes back and kind of is like trying to solve the mystery of like their disappearance um I'm only halfway through I really love mystery novels so I'm, I'm all in on this one already another one that I loved um was thinking about this one this morning because I woke up early and um, it's called Daily Rituals, How Artists Work by Mason Curry. And I read this book this summer of 2019. So, wow, almost two years ago. But I loved it so much. I was, my entire time growing up was shamed a lot by my family because I enjoy sleeping in. And I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, but other people love to comment on it. And I, I mean, I'm still shamed by, by some friends these days. And it was nice to read this book because I've never seen anything wrong with sleeping in. Like, I think people just don't understand that some circadian rhythms are different. Like, not everyone can wake up at 7 a.m. and feel fine every day. I've literally had jobs where I woke up at 5 a.m. every day for seven months and never got used to it. It was always 
exhausted and tired. I think people don't realize that it's not about making schedules for yourself. Like, no, there's an actual like internal clock that your brain goes off of. And my energy always spikes at like 8 p.m. That's who I am. My energy is never, never good before like 10.30 a.m. And so I loved reading this because it put into perspective, like it, it's about, it's the title says how artists work, but it's about artists. It's about writers. It's about poets. It's about philosophers. I think there were some politicians in there and it was really helpful to see like 75% of these people, to be fair, it was a different time, but 75% of these people didn't get out of bed until 11 AM and would maybe like have a really slow morning and then not get to work until 2 PM and then work after dinner. And I, I really enjoyed reading it because it goes through like at least a hundred different people and it spends just like two to five pages on each one. And they're like morning daily rituals and schedules. And it just made me feel validated because I think especially in these days, everyone is all go, go, go all the time. You're not allowed to like sleep in and relax and be considered a productive human being. Like, I've been called lazy my whole life because I don't like getting out of bed before 11 a.m. And it that doesn't make me lazy. I can still be productive at 10 p.m. and get you done. And this book validated me and made me feel good about myself because people have been trying to make me feel bad about it my whole life. But it's just my internal clock, and I don't think I miss anything. Everyone's always like, oh, but you miss so much of your day. And it's like, no, you miss so much of your day because you go to bed at 9 p.m. I can stay up until 2 a.m. and be totally productive and and have fun. I don't know. That's just my thought. I got to get back on the road. Probably I'm going to try to avoid stopping in Oregon. So see you in Idaho. I've had an on-again and off-again relationship with reading. I really enjoyed it as a kid and even in college really got into it. But, you know, with all the hustle and bustle of real life, it can be hard to find time to really get some of that solid reading time in. You know, um, many times I try, it's a page, maybe two, and I fall asleep. So, part of this podcast creation was to help (laughs) dive back into it and be inspired by other people uh, and hear what they're reading and kind of lessen the load of the burden of trying to read everything you've ever wanted to read and every topic you've ever wanted to cover. So, you know, here we are. And in this voicemail check-in with everybody. I've just kind of free-flowing the ideas that I've had in trying to get myself into reading more as we dive into this. The other girls are pretty avid readers and I find myself reading more headlines and Instagram captions and YouTube comment sections than um, true novels, though that doesn't stop me from buying them. And so in a concerted effort to try to change that reality and work myself more into some hardcover books, Kindle books, audio books, whatever it is, here are some of the tips that I've been working through with myself to get 
myself back into reading slowly but surely. And the first step for me pre-pandemic was working it into my commute. You know, I trained myself when I was really little to read while in the car we would take long road trips to get to see family growing up and I used to get so bored and so I was tired of feeling carsick and kind of worked my way, worked myself into pushing past it, which was great. Um, But you know, that is not a reality right now. So with that not available, um, I'd say the first thing I did was just try to work it in. I tried to find a set time, a consistent time to read. Um, And so I personally have been working that into my wind down at night. And I've, with that, have been trying to wind down a bit earlier than when I actually feel truly tired to allow myself time to dive into more than just a page before calling it quits. Um, and that's been not so bad, I have to say. And the the second tip with that, though, is having options. Um, this is personal preference. Um, I've definitely had times where I just focus on one book and I don't let up until I finish that book. Or maybe I'm just so consumed by it that I just don't want to read anything else. But some of the books I want to read right now are heavy at times or, you know, kind of hit too close to home. And I need options. (laughs) I need to read different things and, you know, suss out my mood. And so, you know, right now I've been reading Burnout by the Nagowski sisters, Emily and Amelia. And it's really good and something that I feel like I really need to dive into as I continue on my career path. But, you know, there are nights when I've just been like, it's hard to read about the thing you're currently experiencing. And so having options of something really lighthearted and just fiction, kind of just inconsequential content as well as having some of those more real topics that's that's worked out really great for me i think third maybe this goes back to the commute some in in replacement of a commute while working from home i've been trying to work in running for pretty much the first time in my life and as my runs get longer I, <laughs> I I basically try to mentally tell myself I don't need to be running and that doesn't work out for longer runs. And so when I listen to podcasts or audiobooks, that helps me push through that negative self-talk in a way of trying to get myself to focus on being bored and not needing to do this and all, all the different excuses that I may come up with to get myself to stop moving my feet. Um, and for a long time, it was podcasts and to get myself to my first 10K, um, I pretty much would have a song or two and then play an episode of Call Your Girlfriend. Major shout out. Love that podcast. And then, you know, by the time the episode was over, I was almost done. And so that worked out really well. But, you know, I've been switching that into audiobooks to try and work in that time of a different format content, but still, you know, consuming literature, you know? And so 
that has been working out pretty well. Like today, I just went on a run and listened to Kim and Penn Holderness's new book, um, Everybody Fights, So Why Not Get Better at It? Um, I love this couple so much. Their whole family is adorable, but I, you know, I, I was really intrigued um, by hearing a sample of their book on their podcast the other day and just realized that an audiobook was the best way to consume their their stories, their journeys through argumenting. And um, you know, this is a bit of tangential rambling, but it's it's worked really well because then I can just get lost in the thoughts and the ideas and it's kind of meditative in the same way. I mean, you could do this for walking, possibly grocery shopping, whatever you can zone out to at the same time. But I find my thoughts just kind of coming in, going out. I absorb some words and some ideas and others take me on a journey of relating it back to my own life. And, you know, next thing you know, it's the run is done and it's um, a nice time to really get everything out of that time that I can in, in the most, not in a way of trying to be like overly efficient, but more just working in that self-care in different ways. So it's not me just, you know, paying attention to myself one hour a day or 30 minutes a day, but just helping showing up for myself and bringing in the things that I know I want out of my life, into my life, into routines and finding ways to bring those in. Yeah. I think I think that's those have been some good tips for me and some as I'm <laughs> you know as some of those work some days other days not so much other weeks not so much you know um and as we dive into this podcast and as some of these books become crucial topics that I'm looking to get stuff out of to really impact my life. Uh, One thing that came to mind, I haven't really implemented this yet, but I'm excited to dive into this, is to almost treat the book as if it was a book for school and not in that begrudging, like, oh, deep sigh, I don't want to do this, but more like read it like you are really focusing on the content and even taking notes or marking up the book or just really focusing on the idea that I will later have to talk about this or like would like to talk about what I'm reading with somebody else. And I want to slowly work on remembering quotes better, getting facts straight, remembering the author's names, (laughs) working on names. It's, um, yes, a work in progress. So these are some tips that I have been implementing some that I am working on implementing and some that are fresh ideas, you know, who knows, maybe tomorrow I may have a whole different set of ideas. We're really taking every day as it comes. Yeah, those are my tips and I I hope it helps you all and for Lauren and Jamie, I hope you all maybe have a couple tips you can add to it too. I don't know, you know, we we all approach it differently. All right. That's it for me. Signing off. See ya.
This is Jamie again. Currently about, oh, 10 minutes west of Boise. Still haven't gone through it. 3.30 in the afternoon, mountain time. It's really been getting me through this week, other than the fact that it is my birthday week. The ISU 2021 World Figure Skating Championship. Anyone who's probably ever met me knows, or at least in the past few years, knows that I love, 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 love um, football. American football in the fall, in the winter. I just, it's my, it's my favorite thing to do. I love nothing more than waking up at 9 a.m. on a Sunday and watching football from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. and having just a full day of football. Like, that is prime relaxation for me. I've like fully stopped, stopped planning things on Sundays because I just love it so much. And there's nothing more weirdly self-care for me than watching football for an entire day and doing nothing else. So obviously it is April. There's no football because football is a fall and winter sport. So I've been bored and trying to find things to do. So I've gotten a little into tennis recently and watching some matches, which are, I mean, fun, but it's just not the same. In high school and in, in early college, I was super, super into English football, aka soccer. Go Chelsea, the Premier League specifically. I just watched all the time, but it's difficult, obviously, now, A, to get the games because I don't, like, have cable and I'm not willing to spend a million dollars for it. And B, all the games are are super, super early in the morning if I do get to watch them. So, so the other day I was just kind of scrolling through TV and I came across, it was back in February, the National Figure Skating Championships. And I watched a little bit of it and I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Full disclosure, I was a dancer growing up and, and through high school and a little in college, um, a competitive dancer. So I do... I guess have an adjacent interest in um, sports like figure skating, but I, but I never really gave it a chance. Like I remember growing up as a kid, I can picture myself on some weekends, like sitting on my lovely nineties, white and green striped couch in my parents' little sunken living room, like watching figure skating and loving it. But ever since like I was five, I never really thought about it again, maybe during the Olympic year. You know, I, I didn't know if I'd be all that interested in it because it's just not, not what I think of when I think of sports, um, which is wrong. Um, literally coming as a dancer, I had to have that argument a million times. So I just don't know why I never really thought about it. And then I found out that I had access to watch the World Championship and literally sat and watched all of it and it brought me so much life and so much joy and it was amazing these people are crazy amazing athletes um so basically I just wanted to recommend to everyone you have to watch it doesn't matter who you are I really want you right now to go google these people men's singles skating blew me out of the water just the athleticism of these men. It is unparalleled. I mean, the form of these men, like, I can't, I can't even describe it. Clearly can't even think of words. It's something where I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're one of those people who's like, ew, sports. Or if you're someone who's like, oh, the only sport 
that's worth watching is wrestling because it's so manly and I don't care if you're one of those two drastic ends of the spectrum or anyone in the middle I think everyone everyone will love and find pure enjoyment out of watching this so I have three recommendations for you for the men to watch just to get you into it just to put a little toe out there and also I think I think it'll bring joy to your day here's who I want you to watch first of all Keegan Messing he's from Canada technically from Alaska but skates for Canada and I think that he's like kind of a guy's guy like his music was all kind of like rock and roll and like he just had so much power out on the ice that I'm kind of in love with him as you'll find out I'm in love with all of these men but Keegan Messing is one where I think you know if you really are like oh I would hate this just watch it I think you would enjoy it a little bit it's two minutes long, four minutes for the long program. You can you can waste six minutes of your life. I know you wasted doing other shit too. Oh, I should say this was all like sponsored on NBC. So I watched it on the Olympic channel because my parents get that and I, I was able to get in through it. But I think it should still all be on like Peacock, maybe YouTube TV, NBC. I mean, not to spoil it, but major spoiler alert, Nathan Chen is the best skater of all time he's American he really runs American figure skating because America's not always the best but Nathan Chen hasn't lost a competition since I want to say 2018 it might be 2019 but he hasn't lost a competition and he did kind of poorly in his short program so the first program and was in third place and everyone was terrified he was not gonna win they're like this is it Nathan Chen lost this other guy that he's battling with, um, Yuzuru Hanyu, probably beat him, and, and America's not going to be in first this time. Oh, no, no, no. If you need motivation to just go out there and kick ass, this is literally the most perfect, perfect performance I have ever seen in my life. There was no stopping him. I was on the edge of my seat the entire four minutes on the edge of my seat waiting for a mistake and it was a plus go watch nathan chen right now um keep an eye on him because he probably will win olympic gold in a year and that's another thing that i think if anyone's like me i growing up used to watch a lot of race car driving because um, my uncles are race car drivers and it's kind of in the family but if you like watching race car driving to see people crash i think you'll love figure skating because these people crash all the time on the ice these triple axles quads there are men falling all over the place and women just falling on their asses your breath is being held in the entire time if there's a skater that you love and you're just you know rooting for them you're on the edge of your seat hoping they don't fall the entire time and it's very entertaining and kind of like a little adrenaline rush anyway sidebar the third skater i'm going to recommend is Jason Brown. Out of all three that I've talked about, all are amazing athletes, but I think Jason Brown is easily like one of the strongest people I've ever seen. Go watch his skating right now. I mean, there's he's just the epitome of strength. And I, this is going to sound weird, I am not a butt person. I've never really noticed men's butts. Never really understood that. But I can say, from an athletic standpoint, this man's ass... <laughs> is just pure muscle i mean he has just got he can't be he has got to have zero percent body fat he's got to be all freaking muscle 
it's amazing. He's, I mean, they're all amazing athletes, like I keep saying, but honestly, he, he might be the strongest athlete of all of them. And I just, I know it's a weird thing. I know you're listening to this and like, what the hell is she talking about? I'm not going to go watch ice skating, like calm down. But I really do. I really, really recommend it. Even if you have just 10 minutes to watch their three free skates, I mean, it's such an easy sport to get into because really there's only a couple competitions a year that are televised. All you have to care about is the Olympics and the nationals, if you want to, and the worlds. So that's two competitions a year that you get to watch, and it's, you know, 12 hours of your life twice a year. I think you can have that amount of time considering I watch 12 hours of football a day in the fall. Um, but yeah, it's just something that, I don't know, I've really been missing sports and it really, really just brought me full life. And I just wish I could go back in time into figure skating instead of dancing, but oh well. (laughs) I would never have been on their level anyway. I was a pretty good dancer and, and I can be okay with that. All right. I've spent way too much time. I have to get back out on the road. All right, guys. Bye. <laughs> All right. I'm at my final stop. Um, kind of by, by Pocatillo, Idaho. I have to keep the car running because it's 75 degrees in central Idaho. What is this? 75 degrees. This is insane. And I don't want to overheat and die to death. But die to death? Wow. Clearly, I'm not an eloquent speaker, which is why I wanted to do this in the first place because I'm just all over the place. But last stop. Uh, seven o'clock at night and what I'm an hour and a half ish from Teton um, Jackson Hole so all right last stop just needed to pop in and say thank you for listening to me and I'm sorry I'm a giant mess so other than that I will see you on the other side have a good week First of all, what did you guys think about the voicemails? Was it fun? I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was fun and easy. And, yeah. <laughs> it was easier than expected to just talk to myself for 15 minutes. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> it felt like a nice treat. It was almost like presents to each other to then come together and listen to the voicemails that each person crafted because... We didn't have the same theme or anything, Mm -hmm. so having, it it was just like a mixed bag, which was kind of fun. It feels like three mini podcasts all in itself. Yeah, and it's kind of nice to just get some ideas and thoughts out there without the need for a conversation immediately about it. Like, just kind of, I've got some thoughts and ideas, yeah, and I'm just going to talk for 10 to 15 minutes, and like not have to worry about someone reacting to that immediately like in Mm -hmm. the moment Mm -hmm. like how often do you just get to talk for 15 minutes and no one is like interrupting (laughs) very rarely (laughs) it actually makes me think of um college and school where you get to you write you know essays or whatever sort of assignment on something you've read in english class or any other class and i feel like i took that for granted how i just got to write you know, whatever I felt or whatever yeah. research felt relevant to a topic. And then a professor, you know, had that dedicated time to read it and give feedback back. Like, that's not 
it's not like I'm writing an essay for work. I'm like, hey, boss, read this unrelated content. Sure. (laughs) But a nice change of pace. (laughs) Does anyone have any specific comments about anyone that we wanted to talk about? I thought Lauren's was interesting with the topic of regret. And now, um, Midnight Library, haven't read it yet. It's on the list. Definitely planning to read it soon. Listening to your take on it, it was actually really shocking to me, not towards you, but just in general, that like you said you didn't really have regrets because I don't think I live in that way. Like I like so to hear like it's it's really interesting when I come across people that are like excuse the canine in the background. We love him, but he's not I in hope the room. You can't hear him. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure you can't. Yeah. yeah. No. He's going through FOMO right now. <laughs> yeah. Um but I think like It's always a, I don't know, a nice refreshing change of pace when I come across someone who doesn't have regrets. And it's not that I'm sitting here living through my regrets, but I do think I think and reflect on things. And at times, I I don't know if it's whether it's like an interaction with someone or making a decision and thinking back to like, you know, that wasn't a good like that wasn't a great thing to do or like. Look at where we are now. And I, I do get really self-critical about things like that. And at, at times more so than others. So it's not constantly always being really hard on myself. But um, it was just interesting for you to be yeah. like, yeah, I don't really, I'm good. Well, like, so, yeah. yeah, so I'll clarify. It's not that I don't have regrets. And I think I'm working now, especially with the artist way, in different journaling and different things, mm-hmm. uncovering those regrets that I do have. It's just that I'm not slowing down long enough to understand them or to perceive them because I'm just like, who cares? Living in the moment, future focused, mm-hmm. no regrets kind of life. And I do think regrets can be productive in many yes. ways. Yeah. But I think when I sit, I was just talking to Becky about this, our friend Becky about this this morning, is that sometimes when, if I sit in regrets too long, it can become spirally thoughts and so I don't want to live there for very long and I think it's just my way of protecting myself but it is interesting to think about yeah like other people do other people live in their regrets more than me or less than me or yeah I don't know the topic of regrets I find very interesting though yeah and I agree with you I definitely think there's a lot of um projective juice and like fire like you know like like things that can come out of regrets that can really fuel you to I don't know move more in line with your gut or whatever it else it was in that regret that maybe like if it's something that you're being self-critical for with that regret like it can be really great learning lessons along the way you know I think I think that because I was trying to think if I have any regrets and I don't know if I would classify them as regrets because I think a lot of the choices that I've made were like looking back it's like oh that wasn't a good choice or I should have done something else like a it's already passed I can't do anything about it Mm -hmm. but b like I feel like I've come to terms with all of those situations and like realized how I would do it differently now and just kind of focused more on I mean that was like a different person almost because like if I had to go back five years and make a different choice like I probably would still have done the same thing but like now that I know you know like I don't know so I don't I don't think I classify them as regrets in that way just Mm -hmm. because I've learned from all of my 
many plethora of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a healthy way to redo look any at of it. Them. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's yeah. I mean, I find myself being like, you know, I wish I had traveled more in undergrad, like when life was carefree and I had, <laughs> yeah. you know. Like traveling in college is like the best time to do it, but mm-hmm. now, but now I'm like, but I didn't, and now I can like use that to propel me to travel more now, mm-hmm. or like figure ways. I don't know. It's just like, why is that a regret, and why am I feeling that way, and how can I like change my current situations? Yeah, to incorporate that or maybe just that's something I need to let go of and that's a decision I made at the time well I think I don't know I think what both of you are saying hits on two points that I I feel like my perspective of regrets and how I approach them have changed over time and one is that self-compassion of like I knew what I knew then and like you know it like yeah you can't go back in time and change it but also like having grace for yourself of like you know, what we know now is in reflection of that, yeah. and it's okay, like, you know, and we just go as, we move as we go on to it, and the other part, I like, that you mentioned earlier is, like, not sitting in it too long where it's spiraling, and just, like, using it as fuel to, like, if it's something that you regret, and as you think about it, you still, like, for travel, for example, if you're like, I still want to definitely get more travel in, like, it's a good point to fuel you in those ways, and I feel like you hit the nail on the head of like how regrets can be really helpful and productive in that way because I feel like they get a bad rep which yeah is justifiable at Mm -hmm. times you know but um I really like seeing the positive in them because I feel like it's only human at times not for everybody but for a number of people to to think back on you know if you're sitting and you're just thinking like about where you are in your life you're reflecting on if you're happy or not or you know, with some people who may have social anxiety after every interaction, it's like, okay, should I have smiled more? Should I have done this? Blah, blah, blah. You know, some of that stuff happens before you're really consciously aware of it. Yeah. And there are different skills you can and tools you can use to pushing that away. But I feel like pushing it away sometimes just builds up that urge to come back to it. And if you're denying that regret, it might help you move on, but it could also just build it up to be more of a mountain than it needs to be you know? yeah that's a great point and I have noticed with journaling like things coming up more often and like if this is a thought that we just keep suppressing it's gonna keep coming up and if we just like look at it head-on and figure out why this is a regret or why this keeps coming up why do I keep like playing this conversation in my head over and over again and think about how I could have done it better like how could we make that a positive thing Mm -hmm. instead of just like it's subconsciously sitting there but I'm not actively thinking about it yeah yeah it reminds me of like when you have a craving for something and you keep trying to deny it and then it gets like so big and then this craving for food yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then you eat it and it's not even as good as you were imagining it but you've built this mountain in your head for how Mm -hmm. great this brownie is gonna be (laughs) and then it just disappoints (laughs) but maybe if you had had a little bit of chocolate when it first came up it wouldn't have become such a big thing in your head something that you did mention I don't see it as like a regret side, but like how your choices dictated where you are now. Mm -hmm. That's something 
that my college friends and I talk about a lot because I don't know it's something we think about a lot like okay if I didn't choose to go to DePaul like these four people wouldn't be my best friends and it just like happened that I lucked into being in the same like freshman orientation group as like my best friend Kinsley Mm -hmm. and then we made friends with another girl who we like fell out with but Catherine lived at the other girl's dorm and was really close to her so that like I don't know I think it's fun I enjoy thinking about like well what if I chose to go to Wisconsin instead or like Boston or wherever I was else you know and we can't know what we don't know but it's like fascinating yeah like your life would could have been equally cool and awesome and you would have maybe had equally awesome best friends but it's also the thought of like if I had done anything different I wouldn't have the life I have now and I wouldn't have all my best friends I made in undergrad the family I've made out here in Seattle like everything would have been different Mm -hmm. but I I wouldn't have known what I was missing if I had made any decision different but it's just interesting to think about like like in some ways I do regret going to grad school and spending so much money on that but like I wouldn't be living in Seattle and I wouldn't definitely have all the friends I have out here I wouldn't be hiking I wouldn't be camping like my life would be totally different I go back and forth with that decision a lot and I, I think as the years pass I I don't think about it as much just because it it's like what good is it doing me to sit on it? Yes. Um, but I think especially the first couple of years after grad school and being just like overwhelmed with the debt and just like I feel like I had ruined my future by like and I thought at the time that I was investing in myself and making a good future for myself yeah. and I felt like I had just like locked myself away in some life that like I could never get to the life that I had actually envisioned for myself and it Mm -hmm. like it's taken I honestly I like I don't even know like because we don't know this alternate universe of the (laughs) pandemic not happening yeah that's true but I felt that way probably until the student loans were frozen and I could actually dedicate that money to other things and give like had some time to figure out what to do but like that that is one thing that I think like I it's such a catch-22 because being out here is so wonderful and the ways that I've grown have been really great and you know like I can go back and forth on like well should I have waited one more year and dump it and Mm -hmm. whatever but I think the financial aspect of it and realize like because the consequences of that like some things you make a decision and it's like you know even if it doesn't go well like whatever like you go on a bad date and sometimes you're like well I was a super creepy guy and all right but you know you like if things are fine and you get home safe like you know you'll live to see the next day um but something like grad school is a decision and, and taking on that debt is a decision that will weigh with like be with me possibly for the rest of my life and so knowing the lifestyle that I essentially pushed away slash maybe can never have again in order to get that investment and get the independence that I was looking for it's not always clear to me if that was a good choice or not and we are where we are like I can't go back and so it doesn't help to sit on it but it is something that definitely like had a big impact and I can't like it's not super easy to be like all the time like oh well okay well we'll just deal with it we're here where we are because like 
here where we are is like not making paycheck to paycheck, you know? So it's like, sometimes it's the decision and the gravity of that decision as well. I have thought a lot about my grad school experience because I didn't go into debt because of it, but I went to grad school for something that I really loved. And at the end of the two years I was there, I realized this is not what I wanted to do. So spending two years of my life <laughs> moving to freaking rural Kansas, like, <laughs> um, I thought a lot about like, was it worth it? But I think coming to terms with it for myself, I had to realize like I had to go to grad school. I had to waste that three years or two years on it mm-hmm. to like realize that I didn't want to do it. And if I went a different route, then like maybe I still would be wishing that I went to grad school. So I'm glad I did it. I've thought a lot about that too. But I don't, because now I'm at the point where I'm considering going to school for something else now, um, which would be another four-year and extremely debt-ridden experience to get like my PhD in something else. So I'm even thinking about that, I'm like, nervous that it's just gonna happen again and that after these four years like am I just gonna be back literally right where I am but like four years have passed and also like two hundred thousand dollars have passed so it's Mm -hmm. like yeah trying to not let that stop me but also anyway it's tough it's tough tough. but yeah well changing topic (laughs) um I wanted to talk about Lisa's a little bit and advice on reading more I really enjoyed this because I think I went through something similar a couple years ago where I had graduated from grad school and realized that I had completely lost my love of reading Mm -hmm. reading was was non-existent in my life through college and I kind of had a little chat with myself and was like, like, why? Like, this is something I grew up love doing. I always had a book with me, read on like 10 minute drives in the car, like always had a book in my hands. And then I was like, what happened to this part of myself? So I kind of re-challenged myself. I like took myself down to the Seattle Public Library and got a library card. Like, this is something I'm going to do. And I kind of had to check in and be like, It's not for lack of time. It feels like it's for lack of time, but it's just a matter of, like, not um, prioritizing my time. And and we all have the same amount of hours in our day, and it's not that I don't have time for this. It's just that I'm not making time for this. And it's not, like, someone who doesn't read, I'm, like, not judging them at all. It's just that's not a priority for them, but I want this to be a priority for me personally. And so I started this, like, Lauren's bus books and I started like reading books and like posting about them on my Instagram like a little book review and that was so fun for me but I like like following other people's journeys to like try to get back into finding their passion for something Um, whether it's reading or anything else Mm -hmm. I think what I I don't know if I have any like to add like Mm -hmm. I thought your list was great I think what really helped me the most based on that list is I I had the opposite. I read all throughout college and grad school. And then when I graduated grad school, I stopped reading for some reason yeah. mm-hmm. for like two years. Um, but the way I kept reading through school and how I do it now is like I make it part of my daily routine. So when I'm winding down for bed, like that's when I read. Um, and that's always helped me yeah, keep it. So I really like that. Whether it's like when you first wake up or like 
right before bed if it's just part of your routine now even if it's five minutes it's always a part of my day I always know at the end of the day I'm going to read yeah and I think uh reading for me I it's just been a journey through my different phases of age and where lifestyle of what is resonating with me what I get drawn to and I I think I I've been going through this long discovery period of trying to figure out what I'm really looking for and I I think I'm in a better place like there are books that resonate with me more beyond just a page or two but I feel like there was a chunk of time when I was getting out of you know fiction novels like you know in high school and getting into college reading and being really interested in nonfiction books but then actually being interested in the content but then reading it was like a totally different that is so real that is something i'm still dealing with yeah and i think like getting back into reading i I guess it comes and goes because um after grad school yeah i feel like there was a period of time where i was just adjusting to life that was not architecture school. I feel like it was re-emerging back into real life. And I feel yeah. like a different person in yeah. many ways. And I, you know, and so I think some of it was adjusting to like post-grad life, but then also being like a working professional and trying to, you know, stay up to date on current events and trying to get some advice of like, what does a young woman in the workforce do, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so there were times where reading would come really naturally to me on a bus. And then there are other times where all I had in me was just headlines and, and, you know, and sometimes it wasn't even like that I was thinking about reading or not reading. It was just like other things in life were happening and the days were over before I knew it, you know? And as I try, like, I'm, I don't know, I'm very content with not doing much during my day, to be totally honest. But I think when it hits me about, like, the passage of time and how much time is going by where I'm just kind of hanging out and living life, like, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I just realized I I wanted to dive into these things that I keep having on this, this ever long to-do list, you know, so I'm glad you all enjoyed it. Um, it was really fun to work through that and even see the steps that I'm trying to take. Because, yeah. you know, you're just kind of like, no, let's try this, no, let's try that. And you're not always, like, aware of all the things you're bringing on. Yeah. Um, I know. think, I mean, we've talked about this before. Like, I'll set rules for myself that mean nothing to anyone except for me. But for some reason, I've decided I can only eat, read one book at a time. And for seasons, that works great because it's like, forcing me to finish something, which I'm really bad at. Um, But then other times I'm like, I'm just not vibing with this book. And like just giving myself the the grace and freedom to like, we don't have to finish this book if you're not into it. Like no one is keeping you accountable to this book. You don't have to like show up to school. Why do I feel so like much pressure to read a book yeah. that no one else even really knows that I'm reading. And I definitely feel, I definitely was feeling that at the beginning of the pandemic, like so frustrated with myself that I had started four or five books. They're still sitting by my bed to this yeah. day. And I'm like so mad at myself for never wanting to pick them up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, maybe it's just not the right time for this book. Yeah. I did weirdly read less during the pandemic. Me too. Mm-hmm. But there's so much going on. Oh, my God. Sorry. (laughs) I don't want to, like, harp on this. We've all been in it for, like, over a year now. But I think there is so much going on 
subconsciously as well as consciously, but like, even if like you have your job and things feel fine, there is literally so much happening <laughs> with this new normal, especially in the beginning. And honestly, I feel like for the whole first year where we were like way too hard on ourselves, like yeah. not just oh, yeah. like YouTube, but like, I feel like there were all these influencers and personalities that were like, don't waste this. Yeah. Like, go. The do time. They were yeah. so annoying. And I know. And like, I mean, it's so, it's so annoying, like to even see people, like even friends just being really hard on themselves. And you're over here, like watching Netflix in your blankets and you're like, stop telling that me about so how you're nice. not overachieving. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? yeah. No, that's so real. And like, yeah, like all the self-healthy books and stuff in quarantine, I just like couldn't do it. No. Like I can't, I can't be learning about how to make myself a better human when I can barely like get through a work day. Yeah. And it's okay. <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah. And just like being okay with letting myself let it go. And like, I'm just not in a season of reading yeah. right now and that's okay. You know what else hit me? On that same note, I, I think this was like more as I was um, reading books after grad school, realizing too that a book, like I can put a book down and eventually come back to it. Like I started reading The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which I highly, oh, highly recommend to everyone. It is, I think it's really entertaining, but so insightful and really good. But it, I got about two thirds of the way through and he started talking the author started talking about um basically it i think it was a section about like expectations and he was giving an example and it was kind of like self-therapizing in a way but you kind of imitate what you might do in therapy of he gave the example of like having a relationship with your brother it not being as close as what you would like and it's mm -hmm. like well what what defines close or like what are like, why do you feel in this way? And you kind of just ask yourself questions and it's like, well, could you like reestablish those expectations? So maybe it's okay if you and your brother aren't that close and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And that hit way too close to home for me of mm -hmm. feeling that, and I had to put it down. And it's not that the book wasn't good. It was like hit yeah. me too well. And you know, I yeah. still have the goal to come back you to needed, it. Yeah. Needed time to really sit with that. To just sit with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I find myself doing that with like these different rules that I have for myself. And I think they're helpful in many ways, but then at some point I'm like, I'm just living my life based on all these arbitrary rules I've made for myself. Like we need to read ten minutes a day. We need mm -hmm. to do this. We need to do that. And at some point, it's like, I think I just need to reevaluate why this rule is in place and let it go yeah. if it needs to be let go. But I yeah, agree. but like I who agree. is setting these expectations yeah. for how your brother and you's relationship is supposed mm -hmm. to go? And I think with relationships too, like, I don't know, like when I was going through that exercise, like reading it, I'm even thinking about like my relationship with my brother and if... I think at the time, like, you know, I live across the country from all of my family. And so those relationships, um, I mean, I, everyone I still love and care so much about. But I realize, like, I, like, I have put this wedge to some extent between us in being so far away and not being able to attend, like, these life things that have come up since I've moved out here, you know. And so I think seeing the, like, seeing those questions and thinking about, like, well, maybe, like, are he and I close? I'm like, what if we're not? And is that okay? And I remember feeling like, that's not okay. Like, you know, and so it's, 
I don't know. It's it's okay if like those answers are like we need to change something about this, you know, even if it's whatever circumstance. Um, yeah, I think that's where my thought ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did want to talk about Jamie's a yeah. little bit too, especially with the how artists work and Ooh. sleeping. Yeah. So how I thought I think that's really interesting in that like. Yeah, we all have different schedules that biologically our bodies are attuned to. But it's so interesting that, like, the way our society is set up, starting with school and having to be at school at a certain time and, like, be productive and then it just works its way through work, is that society is expecting us to be productive at certain times of day. And Mm -hmm. if you're not falling into that specific time, then you're seen as lazy. Like, I think that's so unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. <laughs> and the, like, low-key shame you can get about it. and Or when people, like, if you have employers that are like, yeah, yeah, we're totally, like, we can be totally accommodating to adjusting something. But then, you know, the, the rest of your team might be early birds and doing everything. And you want to be on it, but you're automatically late to the game. Like, and maybe they've already had a meeting or whatever. It can... It can be really frustrating, like, to try and accommodate that. And you, I feel like a lot of times the night owl person ends up just having to make all the accommodations. And so you don't end up getting to bring your best self. And you kind of, at some times, I have, as a night owl, I have found myself almost working two shifts in a way. Like, where obviously I need to be on it and awake and ready and present during the work day. But then if there's like a design task, I know my brain is going to be best after 10 p.m. And so then it's like, well, let me gear back up after 10 p.m. (laughs) After I already put in a full day. Yeah. 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 And I can see why people like that would want to um, pivot outside of like a normal corporate work life and tend towards more like (laughs) artists. Yeah, like artist professions or professions that don't require a specific schedule and that's what it used to be like reading this I mean how do artists and philosophers or whoever for centuries so it spanned to like a big time but a lot of the people like I want to say the most recent were like the 80s or 90s so it like kind of was becoming more like today but I mean, that was the norm back then was to, like, stay in bed until 9.30 a.m. and then, like, have a really slow morning and to do everything in the afternoon. Like, that was totally normal. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the morning people got made fun of back then. But, like, I don't know. It's, yeah. Reading just, that, like, made me feel better because, like, oh, I'm not an idiot for wanting to sleep in on the weekends totally. or, or like, any day of the week. But Me, personally, I, I would call myself a morning person, but I yes. don't necessarily <laughs> – like the corporate structure either because I like designing and having quiet time in the mornings. I don't want to be collaborative and talk to other people in the morning. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, it's just the idea that we all have to be on the same schedule and be productive at the same times. This makes it very hard. I definitely am not my best at work in the mornings Mm -hmm. and and I feel like they can see that, but it's not like for lack of trying. It's not like I'm just like throwing in the towel, but it's difficult because, yeah, my energy spikes at like 8 p.m. 
but I'm forced to work from seven to four. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, they so never work, see like my best is, self. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Work is never getting your best hours. Right. And of course there is. would be nice. It's important to like come together with your team at specific times of the day. But, right. But being looked down on for not wanting to subscribe to the normal office working hours. And it's, it's frustrating too. Like I, you know, I don't like, there's kind of a mentality at times of like, you know, what does the majority think? And, you know, are there enough people Mm -hmm. that feel this way? And I think the latest statistic is like, there's like, what is it? Like a third of people identify as night owls, something like that. And I mean, I know that's a third. That's not two thirds, but like, what? A third of people? That's so, enough people that it's yeah. So like a hundred ten yeah. million Americans. Like, so yeah. So enough. work is is either not getting these the corporate work structure is either not getting these people at all and missing all of that creativity because these people don't want to mm-hmm. work in these types of atmospheres, or they're just not getting these people's best hours of their day when they may be way more productive at another time, they're just not allowed that sort of flexibility. And I do think, like, I, I do just think it ends up coming onto the person a lot. So, like, before my current job, I never drank coffee, and I got through 26 years of my life without needing wow. it, you know, like, feeling great. Yeah. And then, you know, started my job, and it's great, but I realized, like, me waking up naturally, like, I wasn't really awake in the way that my brain needed to be for work until like 10 probably like at least and so I started drinking coffee because I realized like I couldn't do that like I couldn't get away with my natural thing and so I'm basically like (laughs) like legally consuming caffeine (laughs) in order to be showing up for work into a caffeine addiction (laughs) like look I love coffee (laughs) yeah and it's not like anybody is like hey, listen, you need to do this. But just because no one's, like, calling you out and saying it doesn't mean it's not in expectations. Like, when you have other people who are senior to you coming in at 7, 7.30, and your brain's not waking up until 10 a.m., like, yeah, that's going to be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know. (laughs) But I did also, um, I just really enjoyed your recording, um, I, I don't know. I like the idea. I like the image of you driving across the country and you stop at a rest stop and you're like, here's some thoughts that I'm thinking about. And you keep driving. It's like, all right, here's some more thoughts. Yeah. I made the drive fun. I mean, I already whole, love drives, but. It could be a whole episode. It's just like, follow me on this road follow trip. Follow me. <laughs> I drive through Idaho. You're welcome. And I wish, yeah, I kind of wish that we had done something like that. I know. When we were I driving, know. but we'll just have to go on another road oh, well. trip. How yeah. awful. What a shame. <laughs> Darn. More vacations. Well, were there any more thoughts on the voicemails? This is definitely a format we'll continue doing as um, the schedule Life. allows. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. If you have anything that's inspiring you or bringing you joy that you want to share, please send us an email at wrdpod at gmail.com. Maybe we'll feature you on the pod.
And follow us on Instagram at WRDPod as well. If you're looking for more information, you can find all our show notes and more at our website, whatchareadingdude.com. Music for this podcast was created by Kalindo. You can follow him on Instagram at The Real Kalindo. Stay inspired, and we'll see you next week.